Hello and welcome to Fragmenters, the most entertaining podcast that I've found where you get to have a conversation with business women who are enthusiastic about life, work, and money. We love building up other women and getting them ready for their new careers. Cause, 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 no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Hello and welcome back, my friends, to Fragmenters. Today we've got a doozy of a guest, but first I've got to do what you all hate and ask you to like, subscribe, and review this podcast to hopefully get our words into more ears. And with that homework being done, today I have Bianca Thomas. She is a cognitive behavioral therapist and coach, as well as the COO and CFO of Evolve Ventures. Bianca, how are you doing tonight? I'm very well. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm great. I'm so excited to get to know you a little more. I had the pleasure of speaking with a cognitive scientist, and she blew my mind. So I'm excited to see where this conversation goes. Yeah. So how long have you been doing what you're doing? What is Evolve Ventures? And just tell us about you. So I've been working as some form of a coach for the last five years. Um, It's funny, I actually started as a fitness coach. And I was doing that for like a year and a half. And a lot of what I was doing was more so helping people really shift their mindsets about fitness and talking about the things that are holding them back when it comes to their fitness journey. And that evolved into just focusing on quote unquote life coaching and that component, because that's what I was basically doing with everyone anyways. And I had my undergraduate degree in psychology. So it was kind of a good pivot towards that. And then through doing the life coaching, I can get into more of my story, but the long and short of it, I teamed up with my business partner and now we have like coaching as one of the services under the business. And then I also work full-time as a clinical mental health counselor where I do like the cognitive behavioral therapy full-time as well. That. I know that this is a podcast that's for women in business, but I am so pro-therapy. I think I bring up all of the therapy that I've done every single episode, so I'm excited <laughs> to hear more from you. Yeah. Um, did So what, what was the chicken? What was the egg? Were you a therapist first and then went coach, or was it simultaneous? How'd that work out? I was getting my master's degree in therapy, like in clinical counseling. That's technically the term for like clinical psychology. And I was also working as a coach while doing that. So like while I was in my master's program, I was doing the coaching. So they were both, it was simultaneous, but my love for psychology came first. And I was just in love with fitness also. And I honestly thought I was going to be like a fitness model. I thought I was going to take that approach. And then I ended up pivoting, but psychology came first, then coaching, then therapy, and now both of them. Nice. Can you explain cognitive behavioral therapy for me? Cognitive behavioral therapy is a newer version of, or it's a newer theoretical orientation technically of Mm -hmm. psychology and of therapy. And when most people think of therapy, they either think of a therapist just sitting there validating them being like, "Mm -hmm, yep, how does that make you feel? Okay. And that's it. And then it's like, what are we going to do for the next 44 minutes of this time period? That's a more traditional supportive type of therapy. Cognitive behavioral therapy is a shorter term problem and solution focused therapy that really looks at ultimately how your beliefs are shaped and how those beliefs are dictating everything that you are doing. And there's three primary types of beliefs that all of us have there's beliefs about our worth, there's beliefs about our lovability. And there's beliefs about hope, whether you're hopeful or hopeless. 
And those all really develop from childhood and from the experiences that we go through, the situations that we're in, what we learn, who's around us, where we grow up. So all of those develop who we are and how we see the world and the construct that we see of the world. And based on that, we're engaging in the world from that. So I'll give you an example. If someone grows up on Miami Beach versus if someone grows up in Nibia, Namibia, I'm botching that. What's another <laughs> word I can say? Zambia. One of our team members was from Zambia. If someone grows up in Zambia versus someone growing up on Miami Beach, you're going to have a very different experience of the world. If everything else was the same, just from the two locations that you were born, you're going to have a much different understanding of the world. And it's from the culture, from the people around you, from the beliefs of that culture, the society you grow up in. So all of those things shape us. And then personal factors about ourselves, like our temperament, the kind of person that we are when we're born, all of these underlying factors that we can't really change. Mm -hmm. So those all tie in together and it forms the way we see the world, the way we engage in the world and kind of how we feel about all of it. So that's called the cognitive triad. It's our thoughts, emotions, and behaviors that are constantly interacting in a loop, causing our entire experience of life. So cognitive behavioral therapy looks at how are the difficulties that you're going through shaped by this? The experiences that you're having, the dilemmas you're having, the challenges that you're going through, the beliefs that you're experiencing, the symptoms you're experiencing, how is that all coming from those things? And then how can we target it to give you relief, to give you tools, strategies, and really like technologies in order to be able to change and to get better and to heal. And that specific type of therapy and that theoretical approach is exactly what we're doing at Evolve Ventures. It is a tech company. It's an upstart technology company, but we're really looking at the technology of the brain oh, nice. and how to combine these mental health tools with components of the brain so that we can be the absolute like greatest versions of ourselves possible and to evolve and grow. That's so fascinating and actually led me. I was going to ask you about Evolve Ventures next. Not You have so many different facets. I want to pick all of your brain. So what <laughs> you said that CBT is something that Evolve Ventures provides, but what all is Evolve Ventures? Evolve Ventures started as two women who have gone through abuse, who have gone through trauma, who have gone through extraordinary pain, coming together and having a belief that there has to be something better in the world and that we want to create that. So we started as a podcast and it was originally called the Why Power Podcast. We were the Why Power Podcast for a year. And then Siri and Alexa kept picking it up as the White Power Podcast. And we're like, <laughs> oh my God, that is not what this is. So we were like, well, with the advent of technology and voice automation going to be a major component of the future, like we speak to all of our devices, this doesn't fly. It can't pick up on it. And we've grown and we've changed and we're becoming more. So what do we want this to be? Now, both of us are extremely science-based mm -hmm. with the spiritual component, right? You, I don't think you can have one without the other. You have to have a little faith and a little hope and a little, a little woo-woo to be able to be scientific. And I just believe, I believe that so wholeheartedly. We were trying to think of what is really the essence of what we are as human beings. And we really decided, well, it's evolution. Evolution is everything. If you're not growing, if you're not changing, if you're not adapting, you're not going to survive. You're not going to be able to live in the world. And so we took that concept and we created Evolve Ventures because we are always venturing for more and chasing more and chasing this evolution so we can be our greatest selves. And that's really the essence of what Evolve Ventures is. It's our understanding that this world is ever-changing, 
ever growing. And so many of us are in deep need and are deeply struggling because of the cycles and the beliefs and the just the way that our society works. And our goal is to really help make change in that and to give people the tools to be able to adapt and evolve and grow and strive for more. Because that's exactly what me and my business partner have done in our own lives and we're continuing to do. That's great. Now, how you provide those tools, you have the cognitive behavioral therapy. I'm assuming you have some sort of life coach portion because you also do that. Are those the only two avenues that you guys can do that? Or is there anything more in there? As of right now, the primary service that both of us offer is coaching. So my coaching is the cognitive behavioral therapy coaching. So I work as a therapist at a business And I also do it for my own business. And then Emilia, my business partner, has her own coaching that she does and she uses the CBT framework. She's not licensed in it like I am, but she's probably way smarter about it than I am. She's just, she's that type of person. So those are the two primary services that we offer right now is the coaching, but we have um, group coaching that we are rolling out next year. We have free live events that we host every month, the last Wednesday of every month. And then our podcast, our social media page, our private Facebook group. We have all of these different services that we're growing and expanding on right now. Awesome. So you talked about having a master's degree. Your business partner is not licensed in CBT. Does she also have a degree? Yeah, her degree is in tech and business, like the business entrepreneurial side. Ah, That's how you mix the two of them together. You get the tech in with it. It's I think it's so smart. I've been in IT for 17 years now, and it's just becoming more and more and more in our lives. So being able to put the two together and have tech tools to give, I think actually will promote more people to help themselves. Because like when my my husband started therapy, he walked in and he was like, I'm a very logical person. If you can come at me with logic and say, this is why your brain is doing this, or, you know, this is why you don't want your brain to react how it does now. He's like that. That's what works for me. Me, EMDR and IFS. I have like the wooiest stuff that you can get that is therapy and that's what helps me. So it all depends. But I think if you can get more tech tools involved, you can get even more people to help themselves and, and further their lives. That's awesome. You know, what's interesting. I had never heard of IFS until I met my business partner. So she actually is extremely skilled in IFS. Um, And she introduced it to me. And I actually do a lot of that type of work with my clients too. like the different for, for the people listening to this IFS is a model called internal family systems that really looks at how the organizational structure of your family has in your role in that and like how different parts of you have come out to kind of cope with that. So like managers and firefighters and all of that, it's a whole model. Um, it's, it's unbelievable. It's incredible. Yeah. I actually came into it. I am doing it current. I mean, not as we speak, but currently (laughs) I'm working with a therapist doing it. And it was because I had hired a fitness coach and I could not figure out why I knew all the things like I knew how to eat. I knew how to nourish. I knew how to move, but I just couldn't do it. Or I would do it to such an extreme. And I was like, I had her on this podcast. And afterwards I was like, holy shit, I have an eating disorder. (laughs) I had no idea. 35 years old. And I'm finding out I have this eating disorder because it's not what everyone thinks of. So I went, I... (laughs) started talking to this therapist. And of course there was a giant wait list. But when I talked to her, I was like, I don't know if I have an eating disorder, but I have disordered eating. And she was like, Dina, it's literally the same two words. You just used them backwards. It's the same thing. So that's why I'm doing IFS is working through my eating disorder. And she, her theory is that most people who have obsessions and an eating disorder 
is sort of an obsession. Mine was a binge and restrict cycle. So I would binge mm-hmm. and then I would restrict myself and keep going. And I was obsessed with whichever one I hyper-focused on it at the time. And so that's why she likes to use IFS with it to get to the root of what is causing that cycle to continue. It's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, that's a lot of the work that I do with clients of mine as well. It's really understanding, you know, what were the messages that you heard from a young age and how did that shape the way you thought about yourself and the world and others? And how are you coping with that? Because most of us don't realize that our behaviors are just coping mechanisms. You know, like even the most wild behaviors that we sometimes do, the things that you would never think is meant to serve us and to help us, it is. And an example that I use with a lot of clients is like self-harm. It's like, well, how is that helping you? How is that supposed to make anything better? But it's a coping mechanism. It's not the greatest one, but it's effective. Yeah. You know, if you yeah. if you're hurting yourself, the concept, the ideology is I am directing my pain towards something tangible, something I can see, something I get to control. And if I have control over it, that means I am in control. Mm-hmm. And my life is not out of control. Now, I am not promoting self-harm. I don't think it's a good mechanism to use. I think there are way better ones, but it's an example of how we do things that don't make sense a lot of the time. And eating is one of them. So I have, and I used to have very disordered eating too. I was never diagnosed, but I guarantee I used to have body dysmorphia because of the way that I saw myself and the beliefs that I had about myself that well, I'm not good enough unless I look like this person. So let me binge and restrict and hyper exercise and all of these things and be super regimented with my calories and my caloric intake. And maybe then I'll finally be good enough. Maybe then I'll be loved. Maybe then I'll be lovable. Maybe then, you know, someone will love me, whatever. Mm -hmm. Most of us don't realize that our entire lives are being shaped by thoughts like that, which to what I was saying initially, it stems from the things that we heard, learned, and perceived and internalized from our childhood and from the things that have happened to us throughout our lives. And trauma is a really big component of that. The grand majority of people will never have gone through a major traumatic event, right? Like sexual abuse, physical abuse, being in the war overseas, being in a war zone in general, like some of the things that we think of is like, no, that's real trauma. It's like most of us probably will never have gone through that, but it's those minor traumas that we don't pay attention to that build and build and build over time that make a massive impact. And we can't see it. Mm -hmm. We can't pinpoint it, which is why it feels like nothing happened to me. Why do I feel like my life is out of control? Nothing happened. Why am I depressed all the time? Why do I, you know, why am I so anxious? Why am I having nightmares or whatever the symptoms are that you're having? Or why am I binge eating? Or why am I restricting my food? Whatever it may be, we're not realizing, we're not taught in our culture to pay attention to those things to look at those minor components of, well, what happened to you? What happened in your life? What was your childhood like? What were the messages that you heard? What did you see your mom and dad doing or mom and mom or dad and dad or whoever your caregivers were? What were they doing? What did you pick up on? And how did that shape you? How did your belief about the world form from that? Yeah, that was my husband's biggest drawback or not drawback, but the thing that held him back the most to actually go to therapy. And he's, he's like, he has anxiety and stuff. And he's like, but I didn't have your childhood. I had, I had trauma, but he's like, I didn't have a bad childhood. Like my parents are still married. We hang out with them all the time. We had great relationships. He's like, why would, what is there? I'm like, "Mm, just go. (laughs) just talk to her and and you'll figure it out you know because obviously something's causing the anxiety so as you can tell I'm pretty proud that he went and that's awesome I'm a huge like I said I've been in it for years you know I 
got diagnosed with CPTSD, went through the EMDR. I'm now in remission and then went without for a good mm-hmm. six, nine months and was like, oh, all right. Now that that's all dealt with, let's deal with this eating disorder. So what I'd like to know is what has been your biggest obstacle in starting this venture? I think the biggest obstacle in starting this was the biggest obstacle that I was facing my entire life, which was the belief that I'm genuinely not good enough. Mm. I, similarly to your husband, I didn't have a major traumatic childhood. You know, I'm very blessed. I didn't have that growing up. But there were, to my point that I made a couple minutes ago, there were so many micro traumas that happened over the years. And I, without a doubt, was the outcast and the black sheep of my family. I was the problem child who fought my parents tooth and nail on everything because I didn't I didn't agree with their religious Middle Eastern Catholic beliefs. I didn't agree with the way that the culture was. I didn't agree with the way that my culture told me I was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And so I was the outcast. I was the problem. I was the black sheep and I was very isolated and alone and I felt alone and just not loved. And so I grow up as this kid and I had a lot of mental health challenges as a kid. I was depressed. I was suicidal. I was self-harming at a very young age. I was bald from having trichotillomania, which was ripping my hair out. And my parents thought I had a medical condition for why my hair was falling out. So my mom was taking me to doctor after doctor trying to figure out what was wrong until she saw me ripping my hair out one day and was like, is that why you're bald? Like, is that why you have no hair? And so things like that just compounded over time. And then I'm 16. I had never known what it felt like to be genuinely loved for who I was. And I didn't feel enough. I didn't feel seen. I didn't feel cared for. And so I tried to find love wherever I could. And it resulted in me being in a abusive relationship for four years. You know, the first relationship I was ever in. And Going through that, it was horrible. And it was horrible because I'm fighting my parents to be with this person and I'm fighting him to stop like treating me the way that he was. And it was like this double-edged sword of like, don't let anyone see how bad you're suffering, but try to end the suffering. And it's like, I, I got out of it and I was just more lost than ever before. And then I start understanding my sexuality that I'm bisexual and oh my God, now I have these feelings for girls. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, is this why I always felt so weird growing up? And so I'm 20 years old. I'm more lost than ever. I finish uh, my undergrad school And I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, I feel worse than I ever have. Like, what what am I supposed to do now? And so I follow the cycle. I keep going, keep trying to find myself and love and validation and all of these people. Now we're just adding girls to the mix. So it's guys and girls now. And it's just, it's not working. And I'm falling deeper and deeper into this pit until I'm 20 three or 22. And I meet this guy at the gym who we end up becoming extremely good friends. And then he becomes a mentor of mine and he introduces me to personal development. And I meet him and I meet his business partner, um, who they are both mentors of mine still and still coaches of mine. And I'm like, oh my God, is this what it feels like to like, for someone to see you? Like, is this, is this what it feels like for someone to genuinely care about you? And it was the first time I had ever felt like I belonged somewhere. And it was the first time I ever felt like, oh my God, someone cares about me. Like, I don't have to be anything. I just, I can be me and I can be loved for that. Like, this is so bizarre. So they're mentoring me, they're coaching me. And I used to fight as a kid, like I did karate and I was a very athletic kid. So my friend, Kevin is also, he used to be a fighter. So we would like spar in the gym and he's like my height. So we're in the gym with mitts on, like literally beating the hell out of each other. And people are staring at us like, what is wrong with these people? Like that dude is beating up this girl. 
And he tells me about this uh, fighting gym near where we live. So I join it and that's where I met my business partner. And the the running joke is she punched me in the face and we fell in love <laughs> because it was like, I was the only girl at that point who could keep up with her. So we developed a really good friendship. I introduced her to um, Kevin and Alan, those two people that I had mentioned. And she came to me saying she wanted to start a podcast and asked if I wanted to join her. So we're building the podcast. We're doing all of these things. It's everything is growing, but there was still that like aching voice in the back of my mind. Like you are not lovable. Mm. You are not good enough. And at that point, she's now dating one of those guys and they're still together to this day. And I'm like, am I going to be alone for the rest of my life? Is this how, is this just how this is going to be now? So I end up in another relationship and it was a travesty. It was just horrible. Like I ended up having to leave home because my parents found out and they found out that I was gay and it just became this whole thing. And thankfully I am past that now. And I am in the greatest period of my life. You know, our business is booming and everything genuinely, I'm like the most fulfilled and the happiest I've ever been. But to answer your original question, that nagging voice, that internal voice, that part of me, right? To go back to the IFS, that part of me in the back of my mind that is just sitting there waiting for every opportunity to tell me that I'm not good enough and that I'm never going to outrun my past and that nothing good is ever going to come for me. That is the biggest part that has limited me and has been a hurdle in doing this business and in doing everything that um, I'm doing and that we're doing at Evolve. Wow. I appreciate you being so vulnerable and sharing that. I know I definitely can. It, it resonates a lot with me. So I'm sure that everyone listening will appreciate it too. Now to counter that, what has helped you the most? Honestly, having those three people in my life. So my business partner, Amelia, her partner, Alan, who I like, I helped set them up. And then my friend, Kevin, that original person mm -hmm. that I had met, having them in my life and having them help me to, you know, eliminate everything that just wasn't aligned anymore and to get very focused on what was aligned and what was right for me and to help me break all of those patterns within myself has been the greatest gift of my life. And that's another big reason of why, you know, we're building Evolve and why we're doing all of the things that we're doing. It's because we know how detrimental it can be when you have the wrong people mm. in your life. And yes. We're trying to create a space of people who genuinely care and people who genuinely want to help and who want to help people break the cycles that are keeping them stuck and that are keeping them in pain and sad and alone and, you know, really mm -hmm. suffering. That's awesome. So what advice would you give someone that's wanting to enter into your profession? You can go therapy, coaching, either fitness coaching. I mean, any of it. Don't ever stop being a student. Full transparency. One of the things that I have a disdain for in the mental health field is people just stop learning. They're like, I got my degree. I'm good. And I've heard a lot of people say that. I've heard clinicians say that. I've heard people I went to school with say that. It's like, well, I already did all of these years of school. I'm not picking up a book again, unless I have to go to these, to keep your license, you have to go get, there's mm -hmm. courses that you have to take and like credits that you have to acquire. Apart from that, they stop learning. And a two-year degree is not going to give you everything that you need to be able to really help people. I will forever have a student's mindset because there will always be more for me to learn. Especially especially when it comes to psychology and understanding the human condition. Oh, for sure. There's so many sub facets. There's so much intricacies that you need to learn. Like you're never just going to have it figured out and you can help anyone. You have to continue learning. You have to take on that mindset of, I will always strive for more and to be better so that I can help people. Yeah. So that's the advice that yeah, I would give. I'm all for it right behind me. That bookshelf is only like 
how to's. I mean, it's both personal development as well as like my first book that I ever read for when I started realizing that I had a bad childhood was Codependency No More. So, you know, kind of the psychological helpful books (laughs) as well as personal development. (laughs) I have recommended that book to so many clients. And do you mind if I swear on here? I want to just be conscious. We have been. Okay, perfect. (laughs) I didn't register. The first five clients that I gave that book to, they came back the next session and they were like, fuck you. And I was like, what just happened? And they're like, that book, it read me. It was my entire life. And I was dying laughing because I'm like, yup. Wrecked. Yeah, Yeah. I was wrecked. (laughs) Yeah, that book shed a lot of light. It's very much like a self-helpy type book, Mm -hmm. but- it is incredible for anyone new in their journey and for anyone who needs a refresher. Like I, I see myself reading that book pretty often. Yeah. No, that's definitely when someone comes to me and they're like, hey, I have like I've known them for a while and I see the abuse cycles that they're they're in in their relationships. I'm like, hey, why don't you just why don't yeah. you just take this one? They're like, <laughs> just subtly yeah. slide it across the table. Right, exactly. I've loaned <laughs> it out and yeah. they give it back real fast if they're not ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can see behind me the plethora of books that I have and that's not even like it's not even a I know I was trying to read it (laughs) trying to read the titles uh I I had a nice studio I'm very envious of your background here I had a nice studio I just moved out of it so I'm I'm in the in the middle of revamping (laughs) you're looking at the end you're looking at the end result my studio beforehand was me in a lopsided room with like crooked pictures on the walls so Perfect. This this is the 3.0 evolved version. Yep. That I had mine. Now I'm redoing it. It I'll get there again. It's a process. (laughs) Yeah. So you gave your advice. Now I'd like to know what is the best advice you've ever received? And you can go professional or personal or both. Mm. We don't mind. Over the years in working with the different people that I've worked, I I have received amazing feedback and advice. You know, so I, I, I don't know if I would say there is one in particular that I think is the absolute best that I've received, but mm-hmm. I think one of the greatest lessons that I have learned from coaching, from my own coaching and from working with so many people and bear with me for a second. But the greatest thing that I've ever come to understand is that not everything in life happens for a reason. I really? I, I firmly hold that belief and I have learned that over time. And the reason I think that, I do think some things happen for a reason, right? I, I do believe that the universe and like quantum physics and there's all of these mechanisms and these these things that we genuinely can't understand. So like, I'm not discrediting that, but there is no way that I could look a client in the eye who has experienced massive trauma, massive abuse, or just the horrific things that they've experienced and tell them in all honesty, this happened to you for a reason. I just can't, I can't do it and I won't. I don't believe that everything happens for a reason, but I believe at the deepest center of my being that we get to decide what things mean to us, that we have the power and the control over our lives to change the narrative, to choose what things mean and to make it mean something deeper and something better and go forward with that. And that's exactly what I do with my clients. And that's exactly what cognitive behavioral therapy looks to do. It's what are the things that happen to you and how can we change what it means about you, what it means about the world, what it means about other people and what it means about your future. Because we go through these things, we go through these these traumas and these pains and these sufferings and we start to feel helpless and like we have no control over life and that the world is this uncontrollable, dangerous place where there's these terrible things happen and well, it's supposed to happen 
happened for a reason. So what's the reason? Why did I go through that? And then we don't get an answer. And it's like, what the hell? Like, how am I supposed, what am I supposed to do now? So what I'll do with clients is I'll help them make a better reason. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's exactly what Amelia, my business partner and I did. It's, we had these major traumas happen to us. We had these things happen and we decided that I'm not going to let this be the story of my life. It can't. It can't just be that I was this broken little girl who let myself get abused and continued perpetuating the cycle. And then what, that was it. And now Mm -hmm. granted, I say I let myself get abused. I am not saying that people choose to be abused based on the choices that I made, I allowed it to happen in in the later parts of my life, you know, but I, I just, I couldn't let that be my end point. And so I had to decide I might not be able to control the world. I might not be able to control what people do and how they respond, but I get to control me. I get to take charge of what I think and what I believe and how I feel and what I do. And in that, I get to take power back in my life. So to answer your question, I think that's the greatest lesson that I have learned throughout my own coaching, doing coaching with people and with just everything that I'm learning. Well, you shooketh me because (laughs) I... Well, and it's funny because I feel like we believe the same thing, but we say it differently. Mm -hmm. And like what I internally have told myself, because I had the abuse of childhood. I had food insecurity. I had hygiene insecurity. I was raped. I, you know, all the things, not all of the things, obviously, but I experienced a lot of the big traumas that people are afraid of going through. And once I got into a healthier space, I've told myself it happened for a reason. Mm. And that reason is strength for me. I have been able to take all of that and turn it into a strength. And now I have an amazing career, an amazing relationship, have gone through all of this and feel like I can do so much more. That's why I can be a voice on this podcast, which I think does so much good for the world. And so that was my reason. And when you were saying it, what I heard, which what you said and what I heard could be different. That's why I want to repeat it back. (laughs) But you said not everything happens for a reason, but you have to find your reason from it. Yes. So that's mine was I had to tell myself this happened for a reason and I had to find it. So if I had said not everything happens for a reason, I just gave up. So once I finally decided everything did happen for a reason, I found the reason behind it and was able to move on and grow. So I think we're saying the same thing, just differently. (laughs) Mm. I mean, you took those situations and you, you made them into strength. You said, I Mm -hmm. went through these terrible things and from it, I am now strong. And that's not to say you have to go through trauma to be strong, but that's what you took from it. That's what you made it mean about you. Yep. I think we can both be right on this one (laughs) or we'll just agree to disagree. I don't, (laughs) I don't disagree with you. I think if... That's just my belief. If you believe and it helps you to believe that it happens for a reason and that really helps you, use it. For a yeah. lot of the clients that I've worked with, they they also didn't believe it because they're like, what God, what reason, what what like transformative thing would have let something horrific like this happen to me? And for them, it was actually liberating for them to hear like, I don't think it happened for a reason. You have the power to decide what it means. You have the control over your life to make this mean something. What are you going to choose? And if you choose to let it continue to mean you're a victim, then that's on you. Mm -hmm. And I know that's very blunt and it's very bold, but we don't do ourselves justice by maintaining the belief that the world is just out to get us. That doesn't serve you. We are strong people. 
we are, I'm assuming a lot of your listeners are women. We are Mm -hmm. strong women. We get to decide who we are and what we want and what this world means and what our place in this world is and what we're going to do about it and with it. And I just genuinely believe that that is so much more powerful because you're in control. You get to decide and you get to make yourself into something extraordinary. And it sounds like that's what you did. You went through these terrible scenarios and said, I am choosing that this means strength and I'm going to change my life because of it. Yep. I just was at my weakest. So I had to tell myself there is a reason you'll find it. So I can see if you're at a point where you're already feeling it and you're like, well, there's no reason. Cool. That's awesome. <laughs> if if you can be at that point and be like, well, there's no reason this happened and be able to form something out of that, that's super powerful. If there's no reason, make one. Yeah. This has been very deep. So I need to ask you what you do for fun because we can't work and be deep and philosophical all the time. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> In all honesty, I am deeply in love with what I do. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of my fu- my fun really revolves around learning how to be better, you know, some sort of growth activity. So exercise, working on my mind, working on my body, doing all of these things. It's my... This isn't right for everyone, but I've optimized my life in such a way that everything I'm doing is for my mission and for for my business, you know, and I find such fulfillment out of it. So probably not the answer you were looking for, but I I grounded. (laughs) I I mean, I do engage in some hobbies, like I'm trying to teach myself to play guitar, which was brutal but mm-hmm. so there's that and then like the gym or like watching movies and stuff you know but my I really come to understand that my purpose in this world is the meaning that I have created right to the topic we were just talking about yep. I have created a new meaning for my life and that is the mission that I'm on and the business that I'm building and I couldn't be happier That is so great. I am glad to hear that you do have other things, though, because I was going to (laughs) go mom mode on you and say, you have to have fun. (laughs) So do you have any questions for me? Because I'm all out of questions. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What inspired you to not only work on yourself, but to share this with other people? Podcasts were... At first, I I refused to listen to him. I have no idea why. Probably just because it wasn't the right time. But then a friend had mentioned MFM, which is my favorite murder. One of the OG uh, true crime podcasts out there. Yep. So I started listening to it because I had a long drive and I got hooked and just binged like two years worth of material in six months. And <laughs> what I realized, yeah, it was, it was a problem. Um, what I realized was not only am I getting the, which I would love to hear your theory on why we are so obsessed with true crime, but that could be another time. Not only was I getting all the information on true crime, which is what I got into it for, but these two became my best friends. Like they didn't know I existed, but I was so excited to hear about what happened with Karen and Georgia. And when I was at a really low point, there were times where having this there was enough to keep me going. And I'm like, this is huge. This is way bigger than just watching a movie. There's there's more of a, a personable thing to it. So I really got into podcasts and then once I binged all of the true crime and then couldn't find any more crimes because they were all covering the same thing, I started looking into other things. And (laughs) like I said, I think I said earlier, I've been in IT for 17 years. Um, Initially, I was in IT at a gold mine. Now I'm in IT at a nuclear lab. So it's very male domination on male domination on male dominated fields. And I was looking for other women like me. So I would find podcasts, but they were very clinical and very regimented. And 
I understand why. It's really hard when you're in a field like this to be taken seriously if you don't know everything, which I can respect the knowledge behind it, but I need another best friend. You know what I mean? Like I can read textbooks all day long. I can listen to textbooks, but I need to know the person behind it. And we're never going to get more women in this if they don't see the people behind it. If they Mm. just see these robot women who all look the same and speak the same and know all of the acronyms, that's not fun. It's not alluring. It's not anything I would want to be a part of. So I started looking for more fun, couldn't find it. And your little voice in your head, I got the same one. She's a real bitch. That's for (laughs) sure. (laughs) Have you named her? Um, I have not, but in IFS, I know what she looks like. I can't explain it. It's not, she's not human, but she's, she's a bitch. (laughs) So I had that same thing. And I started reaching out to podcasters that I liked and friends that I was like, Hey, you'd be really good at this, but they either didn't have the capacity or the passion that I do. And so it took me two years to finally do enough therapy and get enough courage in myself Mm. to put this out here with my voice. And now I am so grateful I did because I get to meet all of you amazing women and I'm having these conversations and I'm making all the new best friends and (laughs) I love it. So to circle back, the reason I started was because podcasting made such a huge pivotal change in my life. Like I literally Mm. started therapy because of that podcast. Wow. Because they were, they talk so highly of it and how much it helped them. So I, I mean, there were other reasons too, but you know, that was, that was the, okay, they said I can do it. It helped them. I can do it. But because it made such a big difference in me and because so many more people can consume it because it's a free service out there, we need to get it to little girls. And I know mine's explicit. So mine's not little girls, it's teenagers to young adults that are probably taking it in. But that's in the time when your second career is coming on, because usually the first one you decide to do is not really what you want to do, because deciding what you want to do for the rest of your life when you're still a child is just asinine, if you ask me. But yeah, so millions of people can hear this voice if it gets out there. And show little girls that they can do whatever the fuck they want and they should (laughs) (laughs) I love that Amelia and I had a very similar, very similar dream when it came to that you know a lot of the conversations that she and I had when we were building the Y Power podcast and now Evolve is we wish we had women like us when we were kids to help us and to help navigate us through the world and show us like, what the fuck are we supposed to do? And how am I supposed to like, like, is it me? Like, am I broken? Am I the problem? And so we very much had similar, just similar dreams and passions of there aren't enough women role models. There aren't enough women out there who are helping people break those cycles and understand them and break what it means to be a woman you know, a woman is not just some subservient being. We are powerful and strong and we can do anything. And we never had messages like that as kids. And so yeah. we wanted to be that for women out there and little girls listening, the young versions of us that we wish were there. I, I feel a responsibility. I have Very been able to so. get through it. Yeah. And I've been able to get to where I am. And I know if I just talk about it and let girls know, I talked to a master mechanic on here. She told us how you can become a mechanic, the questions to ask um, when you go and get services and what to look for and stuff. These are the things that are out there that we just don't know about. And I don't, I don't trust a lot of men mechanics when I go in there because they've tried to bushwhack me and charge me extra, you know? So those of us who can, it's our responsibility to speak about it because there are still a lot of women out there that can't. Yeah. I try to take that mindset into life in general. So 
you can't really see it because of the blazer that I'm wearing. I can't roll it up, but I have a tattoo on my forearm that I got in memory of a friend of mine who passed away a couple of years ago. We were the same age, but she had really advanced cystic fibrosis and she lived life to the fullest. She would like, she was, she was in and out of the hospital every month. So she would be in the hospital for a month, out for a month, back in for two months, out for a month because her cystic fibrosis was just so advanced and so degenerative that her lungs would collapse just like on a dime. And, but so when she was out, I mean, she was kicking my ass. Like we would be in the gym and she would be with her oxygen tank in hand, like with a, with the oxygen mask on in the tank going to the different machines and doing all of this stuff and like beating the hell out of me to like keep up with her and you know cf ended up taking her life but it it was it was so hard for me watching her fade away and watching her mental health decline as a result of the cf and just everything that it ended up doing but i learned the greatest lesson that i could being her friend, which was, I get to be here. No matter what happens, I have a heart that works and is healthy. And I have lungs that work. And how dare I not make, take every opportunity that I have to live this life to the absolute fullest, because I get to be here. Shit's going to happen. Life is going to be hard. We all experience it, but I get to be be here. And it's a slap in the face to her for me not to live that the absolute best that I can. So is it a phrase or is it like a picture? Your tattoo? No, it's, let me see if I can roll this up. One of her dreams was to be like a, be like a captain of a ship. Mm-hmm. I have no idea why, but she got, she had this whole like captain ship, like leg tattoo. So like she had a leg sleeve and it was all like ocean related. So the tattoo is of a compass. I yeah, I don't know if you can see that. I can. It, it's of a compass with like birds breaking through from it. And it was in memory of her. And her like catchphrase was, whatever doesn't kill me better run like hell. And it just, <laughs> it embodied her so beautifully. So eventually I plan on getting that put like above this, but that's awesome. And it's a good reminder for sure. It's a very good reminder. So big, big thing is how can everyone get a hold of you? Where can listeners find you? Um, EvolveVenturesTechnologies.com or EvolveVenturesTech.com website under construction we are redoing the website so it's not pretty right now but i'm also on all of the different social media platforms instagram is the best way to get a hold of me evolve with bianca or evolve ventures on instagram that i'll make sure to get links and put them in the description for everybody so i i appreciate this time so much bianca this was a fantastic conversation i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did I definitely did. Thank you so much for having me here. Of course. Well, I hope you have a great night. You too. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you had as much fun as I did. If you liked this, please rate, review, and subscribe to ensure that you can more easily find me in the future. Thank you again. Bye. We got the right stuff.